All right, open your Bibles. Uh, I'm going to read, uh, I'm gonna read uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. But we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3 today. So let's read these two verses as we begin. Romans chapter 12. And we're going to read the first three verses. We're going to talk today about renewing your mind in Christ. <clears throat> now, we spent the three weeks... Um, including Easter. As we led up to Easter, we talked about our death with Christ, our burial with Christ, and our resurrection with Christ. And last week, as we talked about the resurrection and the new life and the new creation that we have in Christ Jesus, we said that our problem is not the reality of that. The problem is our comprehension of that. And the only way that we can begin to grow in, in, in our comprehension of what Christ has done for us is through the renewing of our minds. So I wanted to take today, you know, we may finish today, we may not, and I wanted to talk about renewing your mind in Christ. So Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, Paul writes this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm sorry, we're going to read verses 1 and 2. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So I want you to see this in verse 1. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, not being conformed to this world, God does not want you to be conformed to this world any longer because though we live in the world, we are not of the world. So he says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. So Paul deals in this verse, in these two verses in Romans, he deals with the body and the mind. Now, the only way that we'll be able to effectively, consistently, steadfastly present our bodies is if our mind is consistently being renewed. You do what you do because you have a certain mindset. The habits you have, the behaviors that you have in your life, the good ones, the bad ones, <laughs> whatever they are, you have those because you have a certain mindset. You have a way of thinking. You have a way of doing things because you have conditioned your mind to think certain ways. Therefore, you've conditioned your body to do certain things. So maybe you can't go to bed at night unless you brush your teeth. You, you, you have that good habit because you have conditioned your mind and renewed your mind to this reality that if I don't brush my teeth at night before I go to bed, I'll get cavities, and that's not a good thing because I don't want to lose my teeth. So you, you did something with your mind to cause a behavior to take place. And because you are consistent in renewing your mind to that, you now consistently can do this without thinking. It just is what we call a habit. That works in good ways, and it works in bad ways. In fact, this, the Bible is pretty clear. It teaches us these things. James talks about this, about letting sinful thoughts get into our head. And if we allow those sinful thoughts to stay there long enough, they, they conceive, they give birth, and then when they're full grown, they bring forth death. So everything starts with a mindset. So Paul says, present your body. Well, how am I going to do this? I can maybe do it out of fear or just out of sheer willpower for a period of time, but I'm not going to be able to take up my cross daily and follow Jesus, live the crucified life unless my mind is renewed. So the only way I'm going to no longer be conformed to the world is until I am transformed by the renewing of my mind. So let's go over to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And I'm going to read the first 17 verses of Colossians chapter 3, and this is kind of where we're going to be today. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. 
If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So we're going to go through these 17 verses, and we're going to go through them with the intent to, to talk about and to hopefully gain uh, an understanding how important it is for our minds to be renewed. Now, here's the thing. Uh, The Bible, especially in the New Testament, Paul's letters, especially Paul writes constantly about this subject. In every one of his letters, you will find this theme that we are to have our minds renewed. And the reason Paul is so... The reason this is such a a theme in his letters is because Paul understands something that many believers do not understand. Our problem is not that we are lacking something in reality. Our problem is that we are lacking something in comprehension. If you are born again today, if you are saved today, you are not lacking any of Jesus. You are not lacking any of his life. You are not lacking, listen to me, church, you are not lacking any of his righteousness, any of his holiness, any of his anointing, any of his spirit, any of his power. You're not lacking that in reality. You're lacking that in comprehension. The problem is not that we don't have enough of Jesus. The problem is is that we do not comprehend Christ in us, the hope of glory. So we let, we let ourselves be deceived in our minds because we do certain things, we behave certain ways, we talk certain ways, we think certain ways. We think, oh, I must not be saved. Or God must be very displeased with me right now. Or God must be very angry. Oh, you know, that terrible thing that happened in my life, I bet you God was getting me back because... I just can't get my life under control. So God must be punishing me. He must be doing something to get me back. No. Now, God is doing something. There's no doubt about it. But it's not to get you back. It's not to punish you. It's not because he's angry with you. God is doing something because he loves you. He's doing something because he does not want you to be deceived in your mind any longer. 
God wants you to understand the reality of your salvation, the fullness of his love for you, the fullness of the salvation that you have in Christ. He wants you to understand that you have been given the fullness of his righteousness, the fullness of his holiness. You say, yeah, but I don't see that. Though that's a problem. But this is why the Bible commands us to walk by faith and not by sight. I am not the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because I am always righteous, I, I, because I always say righteous things, think righteous things, and do righteous things. That's not why I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am, and you are also, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus if you are in Christ because God has imputed, he has deposited, if you will, into your account his righteousness. He has filled your account with his righteousness. Not because you deserved it, not because you, you did all the right things to get it, but because God is graceful and in his grace, he made that deposit in you. He deposited his son, his eternal life, his spirit, and all that goes with that. He deposited that in you by grace. Now, what we need to do is to begin to renew our minds from the old way of thinking to this new reality, or as the Bible calls it, to this new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's reality. The problem is we don't comprehend that as reality because I'm still thinking the way I used to. So what's the, what is the solution? The solution, the Bible says, is you need to renew your mind. Renew your mind to the truth. Renew your mind in Christ. So by grace and of his own will, God brings us forth in Christ as new creations. He raises, he raises us up in the life of Christ. Christ is our life. We're given his righteousness and we're put... We're, we're placed into Christ, and we have now in Christ put on, the Bible says, a new man, which means we've put off an old man. So in the putting off of the old man, we have put on a new man. And the Bible says in Colossians, we just read it, in verses 9 and 10 of chapter 3, it says, This new man is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. That's kind of a mouthful, but there's really something wonderful there. This new man is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So the new man that you are in Christ, the Bible says, is renewed in knowledge. He's a new man and he's being renewed. Well, the part of him that's being renewed is his mind. You are a new man in Christ. You are a new creation in Christ but you still have your old mind, right? You still remember all your... I mean, how many of you know that you once were not saved, but now you are saved? And you can remember your life before you were saved. And you can remember what you used to do before you were saved. You say, well, I still do some of that. Well, yeah, this is the point. This is why you need your mind renewed. You're, you're not saved because you don't do any of those things anymore. You're saved by the grace of God. And in spite of the fact that you still do some of those things, God still saved you. But God doesn't want you to still live out of that old reality with that old mindset. He wants you now in this new reality, in this new man, in this new creation, he wants you to renew your mind and live out of a new mindset. And so, I used to not brush my teeth every night before I went to bed when I was a kid. I hated brushing my teeth, but came to a certain point in time where I renewed my mind to that reality, maybe because I hated going to the dentist and getting that shot in the back of my mouth. I, the dentist scares me. I, I'm not afraid to confess that. I would tell people, man, you want to torture me? Put me in a dentist chair. It scares me to death. I hate going to the dentist, but I do it, right? And so now I brush my teeth every night before I go to bed because I'm scared of the dentist. no. I don't think about the dentist when I brush my teeth. I've renewed my mind to this reality. It's just become a habit. Why do, why do you come to church every Sunday? Now, I'm not saying you should come to church just because it's a habit. 
You need to have good habits, and you need to understand why good habits are important. You need to practice good habits, but you need to also understand why it's good. You should come to church every Sunday. Not, not because God's going to love you more, not because you're going to be more saved. It's a good habit. It's a good habit for a lot of reasons. There are multitude of benefits. But as you know, a lot of people have a hard time getting here every Sunday. And you know why that is? Because, I can tell you, because I'm, I, I used to be one of those persons. I never went to church. Because my mind wasn't renewed to that reality. My mind wasn't renewed to the reality of why being together, assembled with the body of Christ, the people of God, I didn't understand why that was important. As a matter of fact, my mind, my mindset said it's not important, it's hypocritical, <clears throat> it's stupid, it's a waste of time. I, I, could, I could give you a real long list of why I didn't. That's what my mind was, had been renewed to. That, that was my mindset about church. So God had to break that mindset. He had to break those strongholds in my mind. And as I begin to read and study the Word, as I begin to grow in my relationship with Christ and my comprehension of God's love for me and, and who I am in Christ and what Christ did when He saved me and when He saved you and when He put us all together in one body, as I begin to grow in my comprehension of that, Understanding why we come here week in and week out now has taken on a new light. Because my mind has been renewed to this reality. And so now I don't think about whether I am or whether I'm not. I don't let things... I'm not saying this for anyone's condemnation. I say, okay, this isn't about making you feel guilty about coming to church. But you need to understand why it's important. And this is true, whether we're talking about going to church, whether we're talking about reading your Bible, or whether we're talking about anything, you will, there will always be something that will take you away from the things you should be doing. You can live your life, you ever, you ever play pinball? You can live your life like one of those ball bearings just getting bounced all around. There's always going to be circumstances and situations that will just bounce you from one bumper to another until you renew your mind and you say, you know what, I'm not going to live that way any longer. I'm not going to allow that. I'm not going to allow my life to be dictated by circumstances and situations. First and foremost, God should be the one that dictates our life, that dictates everything in our life. And so that reality is not going to happen, church, until you begin to renew your mind. So it is this truth of being renewed in knowledge that, that, that I want us to really talk about and think about. I can talk about it. I can tell you to think about it. But listen, the Holy Spirit has got to do something in you. The things that, these 17 verses I just read in Colossians, there is so much there, it's almost unbelievable. It is unbelievable. The depth of what Paul writes just in those 17 verses is, is unbelievable. We can only scratch the surface of some of these things. And it can't be me trying to convince you of the importance of something. Listen, you need to begin to ask the Spirit of God to change your heart, to change your mind. You need to begin to let the Word of God convict you and shine a light on those areas of your life, not to make you feel guilty or condemned, but to reveal to you those areas that the Spirit of God needs to begin to bring renewal to. And it's not Pastor Jeff or any other pastor that's going to talk you into that. Listen, it's going to be the Spirit of God that does a work in you. You need to cry out to God and ask that He would, by His Spirit, begin to do a work of renewal in your heart and in your mind. Amen?
the renewing of our mind is only possible because we have already been made new in Christ. Do you understand this? I'm not telling you to do something that's possible to do until you have already become a new creation. Remember, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. You, you have no hope of renewing your mind to Christ until you become a new creation in Christ. You will never have a new mind until God gives you a new heart. So until we're made alive to God in Christ, until God gives us a new heart, it is impossible for us to have a new mind. 1 Corinthians 2.16, Paul writes, but we have the mind of Christ. Who has the mind of Christ? All those who are in Christ. If you are in Christ today, the scripture teaches us that we have the mind of Christ. Here again, my problem is not, I got left out, God forgot to give me the mind of Christ. No, the problem is you don't know that you have the mind of Christ. The problem is you're continuing to live out of your old mind and your old ways. So when we're born again, we're given the mind of Christ, but we still have our old mind. Now in Christ, we're commanded to renew our old mind to the new mind of Christ, and so be no longer conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's what we just read in Romans 12. So let's look at Colossians chapter, thir- chapter 3. Let's look at verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, that's a, that's a very important statement because everything that follows that, everything Paul talks about following that statement only applies if you have been raised in Christ. If you haven't been raised in Christ, then there is no, there's no point in going any farther in that chapter. This is why Paul qualifies that if then you have been raised with Christ. So here's the question, have you been raised with Christ? Have you died with him having become dead to sin in him? Have you been joined to his life having become alive to God? Remember, if we have not been raised with Christ, we're still dead in our sin and we are still separated from God. If we have been raised in Christ, we are alive to God, we're joined to his life, we have become dead to sin. Now, that doesn't mean you don't commit sin still. That doesn't mean you don't have bad thoughts or bad actions still. What that means is God the Father no longer sees you in your sin. He doesn't know you in your sin. You're dead to him until you become alive to him, where? In Christ. Once you are alive to him in Christ, he doesn't know you as the old sinful man anymore. He only knows you as the new man, the new creation in Christ. He only knows you in the identity of his son. That's good news, church. See, the gospel means good news. The good news isn't God sent his son to die so that we would have more power for us to work really hard to overcome our sin. If Jesus only came to add something to what we can do, That's not really very good news. And at the end, God's going to say, well, you know, my son did his part, but you didn't do your part, so tough luck, you're out, out, buddy. If we read the Scripture very carefully, we don't have to to look between the lines. If we just read what's right there in black and white, that's very easy for us to understand we see the reality of what God has done. What happens is we read those words in black and white and red and white, but we read them from an old mindset. Have you guys ever, um, you know, have you ever, have you ever, um, oh, did you guys see that? Did y'all see that, uh, the video on Facebook? It went viral of the guy who lost a million dollars on, what's that game show? Wheel of Fortune. And what was the one, uh, what was the one, um, I, I know the one, Achilles, but what was the other one? He said can instead of it was man. World's fastest, he, 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 had, a, he, it was, he had the A-N and he only needed one letter. World's fastest 
And he got a C instead of world fastest can. Now, there was something. I don't think the guy was a dummy, right? I don't think he was at all. I don't think, I don't think that was the problem. This is how our brain works. Our brain really works this way. In his mind, he, he wasn't thinking. He was thinking can. Not because he, he, he wasn't paying attention. He wasn't really... He, his mind was so focused in on the wrong thing that even though the, it was obvious what it was, I mean, it was right there, everybody could see it, but his mind was so focused in on the wrong thing that when given the opportunity, what did he do? He picked the wrong letter because his mind was focused in on the wrong thing. This is exactly what we do when we read the Bible with an unrenewed mind. It is right there, just as plain as day for us to see if we're reading it with a mind that's been renewed, if we're reading it enlightened by the truth and by the Spirit. But, but it's so easy for us to read, to see the wrong thing, to understand the wrong thing because we're reading it from a mind that has not been renewed. So renewing your mind is so very important. So that begins by being raised with Christ. That means you need to be born again. That's your first step. So you cry out to God and ask Him to save you. If you cry out to God from a heart of faith and ask Him to save you, He will save you. And at that point, that means God has given you a new heart. Now you are ready to renew your mind. Now maybe you got saved many, many years ago. And it's just possible that you've had a new heart all of these years, but you've had a wrong mindset. And you've been reading the Bible with a wrong mindset. And all you can see in the Bible is God's judgment and condemnation and anger towards you because you can't get past your past. You haven't let the old pass away. So you have no comprehension of all things have become new. So it's, it's not that they haven't really become new. It's that you just know how, you have no comprehension of them. So you're born again. God's given you a new heart. Now he wants your mind to be renewed. God giving you a new heart is an instant thing that he does. You having your mind renewed is not an instant, one-time thing. It's not going to happen uh, over a series of sermons on Sunday morning. You having your mind renewed is going to happen over the course of your entire life. I believe even into eternity. Because I believe God eternally will reveal himself to us. And if he is the eternal, infinite God, that means we're never going to come to the end it's not like the shuffle mode on your CD player when you finally f listen to all the songs five times. It's like there's nothing new here. Man, put some more CDs in. You know, these, these are used up. Listen, God's never going to get used up. We're never going to come to the end of him. So God is going to be revealing himself to us throughout eternity. That begins right here and right now. So this process of renewing your mind is a process a lifelong, an eternal process. So let's look at verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. I want you to make note. Seek those things which are above. Where? Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Seek. What are we to seek? We are to seek those things which are above. What does that mean? Does that mean we just deny Earthly things, we deny the reality of this life. No, that's not what that means. What, what it means is our life is not of this world. It's in this world. So pay your utility bills and pay your car payment and pay your house payment. And God knows we've got to pay our property taxes, right? If you don't, you may suffer the consequences. So we can't just say, well, but you know, I just, I'm just going to live my life in think about things up there in heaven. Well, you can do that, and you, you might get there sooner than you thought you would, too, by living that way, right? No. 
we're not to deny earthly things. We're just to understand that our life is not of this earth. So seek. Seek what? Seek those things which are above. Set your mind, verse 2, set your mind on things above. Not on things on the earth. In other words, set your mind on spiritual things, not temporal things. That doesn't mean we can't enjoy life. We had a baby shower yesterday for baby Benjamin. Man, we had cookies and all kinds of unhealthy things and all kinds of stuff to drink, and they played games, and we sat outside, and it was beautiful, and it was fun. It was, it was very real, you know? Played volleyball. We didn't just sit there in chairs and look up in the sky and, what are you doing? I'm seeking those things above. I'm setting my mind on things above because that's what the Bible tells me to do. I shouldn't be enjoying this baby shower right now because it's, it's on the earth. No, that's not what Paul's telling us. We can enjoy earthly things. We just need to enjoy them with the right perspective. Earthly things are, are temporary things. They're temporal things. They don't define us. Listen, you're, you're not, God doesn't define you by the size of your bank account, the car you drive, or the house you live in. I know the world does that, but God doesn't do that. Those things mean absolutely nothing to God. Don't set your mind on those things. Set your mind on spiritual things, on eternal things, not temporal things. Seek those things above. Set your mind on things above where Christ is. When Christ, verse, verse 3 for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Why should we seek things above, set our mind on things above? Because you died. What, did you, what does that mean, for you died? You died with Christ. You put off the body of the sins of the flesh. This is what Paul writes in this same letter, Colossians 2.11. In him you are also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. When Paul says, for you died, he means you put off the body of the sins of, of the flesh. Your old man, that's your old man. Your old man is crucified, he's buried, he's done away with. You've been raised a new man. You died, so now seek those things above where your life is, where Christ is. Your Christ, your life is in spiritual, eternal things. It's not in the temporal things of this world. That does not give you life. It can give you enjoyment, it can give you happiness but it will not give you lasting joy and it will not give you eternal life. For you died and in our dying we put off something, we put off the old man and in our dying we put on something, we put on the new man. For you died and, look at this, this and is very important, Paul doesn't leave you dead. For you died and your life, there it is. You died, your life. It's not a contradiction. You died, you were buried, but you were raised in the life of Christ. And your life is hid, where? With Christ in God. Where is Christ? He's above, sitting at the right hand. Sitting at the right hand of God. That's what Paul tells us here in verse 1. And then he says this. In verse 4, when Christ, when, it's another word you should highlight, not if, but when. That's a promise, when. When is a promise. If is not a promise. If is conditional. When is a promise. He doesn't say if Christ appears. He says when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also, then, you also will appear with him in glory. Now, we can, th we can think of this, and it, and it may very well be the way we should think of it in terms of a second physical coming of Jesus. When Jesus comes again physically, when we see him face-to-face -face physically, we will appear with him in glory. There's no doubt about that. But I want to submit to you that Paul 
also wants you to be able to see him and appear with him in glory long before Christ comes again physically a second time. This is his point in all of his letters of writing to us about renewing our mind. If you can't see yourself in Christ, if you cannot see Christ in you, the hope of glory right now, then you can't see yourself in the proper place, in the reality of where you are. You will only see yourself stuck in your failure, your past sin, your past life. And if that's where your mind is, you're going to struggle with those realities, even though God has made you a new creation in Christ. So I think Paul is not just pointing us ahead to a future event, the second coming of Jesus. I think Paul is saying that event is coming. You will appear with him in glory, but listen, when you see him, when did Abraham see him? John chapter 8, Jesus said, Abraham saw me. Well, Abraham didn't live in the same century Jesus lived in. Abraham lived centuries before Jesus. How did Abraham see him? He saw him by faith with spiritual eyes. How are we going to see Jesus before he comes physically? We're going to see him by faith with spiritual eyes. What gives us the vision and the sight and the ability? Listen, this is why God gave us his word. His word gives us a vivid picture of Christ. And the Spirit of God wants to illuminate, or as Paul prays in Ephesians 1, that the eyes of your understanding would be opened or enlightened The Spirit wants to enlighten the eyes of your understanding. Why? So that you can see Christ now. And if you can see Christ now where He is, and that's where you are, then you're going to see yourself in the very same place. You're not going to see yourself stuck back in that horrible situation or that horrible lifestyle, thinking that you're still somehow paying for that and God's making you pay for it. No. You're going to see yourself really where you are. When Christ, who is our life, appears, do you know, church, do you know that Christ is your life right now? You need to know that. If you don't know that, if there's not something inside of you that just says, I know that's true, I can't explain how it's true, I can't explain exactly what that means, but there's something inside of me And I know that I know that I know Christ is my life. I don't have a clue how to explain that to somebody, but I know it's true. It's not my ability or any other man of God's ability to eloquently explain to you these things so that you can comprehend them and and get it down. No, this is a work of the Spirit. The Spirit has to reveal the reality that Christ is your life. And if you don't have that assurance, that reality on the inside of you right now, then my plea to you is that you would cry out to God and ask that God would, by His Spirit, begin to show you and reveal Himself to you, that you would begin to see Christ and so see yourself with Him in glory. Verse 5, therefore, what's the therefore, therefore? Because you died. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. And then he lists these things, fornication or sexual immorality, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. I mean, Paul is just being really practical here. These are the things that we all struggle with in some form or some fashion. We could, we could make the list a lot longer, but the point is not to list everything. The point is, this is our old man. This is who our old man is. This is who we were dead in sin. This is what the old man did. Well, why are you still struggling with those things? Well, one of two reasons. Either the old man's not dead, and I'm just still doing what comes natural to me. Or the old man is dead, and I have not had my mind renewed to that reality. Now, we're reading this book on Friday nights called Extravagant Grace. 
And one of the major themes of this book is that God uses even our sinfulness for His glory. Do you know anybody who's lived their entire life in faith in Christ and they've, they've, got, they've got the sin issue dealt with? They never have a sinful thought. They never have a sinful action or behavior. They live now the perfect, holy, and righteous life. Do you guys know anybody like that? Now, I'm not saying that you should be the same 20 years into your walk, faith of, uh, walk of faith than, than you were, uh, you know, 20 days into it. I'm not saying there shouldn't be a difference any more than my grandchild Gideon, you know, uh, 20 years from now, he should look a whole lot different than he does right now laying on EJ's shoulder there, right? I mean, we just expect that. But that doesn't mean that, that 20 years from now he's, mature, complete, and, and he has no growth left. I mean, maybe physically he, he might not, but, but what about spiritually and what about emotionally or intellectually? When do we stop growing? When do we stop? We don't ever. In other words, we don't arrive in this life. There's always room for growth. There's always room for renewal. So therefore, he says, put to death your members which are on the earth. Why? Because the old man is dead. Because your life is hid with Christ and God. Put to death your members that are on the earth. Put to death the works of the flesh and the deeds of the old man. If you're not a dog anymore, stop barking like a dog. If you're not darkness anymore, Ephesians 5, 8, stop living like darkness. If you are light in the Lord, begin to live and to walk as children of light, Ephesians 5, 8. So this is Paul's exhortation, or in Romans 6, 11, he says, Reckon yourself dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God. And then he says this, look, look, because of these things, verse 6, because of what things? Because of, because of the reality of the sinful man and the sinful nature. It's not that if we take, how many things did Paul list here? Fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desires, covetousness. He listed five things. So you're telling me if we can get these five things under control in our life, then we're good to go. No, absolutely not. Because this is who we are by nature, and because of the nature of the old sinful man, or as Paul calls him, the sons of disobedience, the wrath of God is coming. It's coming. The wrath of God is coming upon who? Verse 6 says it's coming upon the sons of disobedience. Who are the sons of disobedience? Hold your place right there. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's go to Genesis. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Have you ever heard someone say, we're all children of God? I'm, I'm sorry, but the Bible does not bear that out. Jesus himself does not bear that out. You can go read John chapter 8 and chapter 9 and come back and we'll have a talk, okay? Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. This is the first recorded prophecy of the coming of Jesus Christ. Genesis 3.15, after the fall, God speaking to the serpent. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. Hmm. There's two seeds there. There is the seed of the woman, and there is the seed of the serpent. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, verse 6, Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. 
You guys want to take a guess on whose seed they belong to? Go back to Genesis 3.15. That's the seed. The sons of disobedience, there is enmity between the sons of disobedience and the sons of God. Have you guys ever noticed that? Why does the world have such a problem with Christianity? I mean, we'll make allowances for every other religion on earth, but not for Christianity. That's not an accident. And we shouldn't be mad at the world because they do that. They do that, God told us in the very beginning of his recorded word exactly why that happens. Because God put enmity between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. Now that seed of the woman spoke of Christ. What seed are we of until we are born again? Guess whose seed we are? <laughs> We're, yeah, we're not sons of God until we are born again. How did you become a son of your father? You were born. Jesus said in John 8 to the Pharisees, you are of your father the devil. That's why you want to murder me. You're just doing what comes natural from your father. Well, listen, if I'm born, th that wrong seed, that cursed seed, how do I become a son of God. John 3, 3, you must be born again. And now when I'm born again from the Spirit up above, I'm, not born a, I'm no longer a son of disobedience. I am now a son of God. Does that mean I never commit disobedient acts? No. But my obedience or disobedience does not determine my sonship. Listen, I see my little grandsons all the time, and they don't always obey. I remember my kids. They didn't always obey. Now, I was gone most of the time during the day, so my wife was the one having to deal with it. But I'd come home, you know, and uh, sometimes she'd be reduced to rubble, just tears, because she's overwhelmed. Did those children stop being my sons because they didn't consistently obey? No. Their obedience or disobedience didn't have anything to do with whether they were my children or not. They were my children in spite of their disobedience. But, so what do good parents do? Good parents discipline their children, and they help their children learn that to obey is better than sacrifice. That if you're going to be my child, this is how you should live your life. This is how you should obey. It doesn't make you more my child. It doesn't make me love you more. And so how do we do that? What, what is the process that we're taking our children through when we discipline them? When we teach them that to, you know, uh, throw mud in their little brother or sister's face isn't what we should do or hit them or push them down. When we discipline them, I'm not talking about beating them, I'm saying discipline. You know, you see your, your little child push his brother or sister down, you go and you say, look, that's not what we do. We don't push our brother or sister down on the cement and make them bust their chin. We, or we don't, we don't take what's not ours. We share. We ask. What are you doing? You're, we call it discipline, but the reality is you are renewing the mind of your child because your child is born with a mind bent to disobedience because your child is born in sin and death, like every child is born in sin and death. So how many of you parents had to work really hard to teach your children to disobey? Anybody here? How come it is that we have to seem to work hard to to teach our children to obey and do certain things, but then there's other things that we didn't have to even teach them that. I mean, we didn't have to teach our kids to, you know, um, to want to take everybody else's candy too. I mean, some kids are more selfish than others. I grant you that. But, but you see what I'm saying? We didn't have to teach our kids how to be disobedient. But when we teach our children to be obedient, we're not making them more our children. We're renewing their mind to the reality of what we want them to be conformed to. 
This is what God does with us. God is conforming us to the image of His Son. So when God disciplines us as His children, it's not, it's not because He doesn't love us. It's actually because He loves us. Because He says, I don't want you to live thinking that that's who you're supposed to be. Because that's not who your Father is. Are you guys tracking with me? So the wrath of God is coming because of the sons of disobedience. So we have sons of disobedience and we have sons of God. They, they still live together on planet earth. It's kind of like the parable of the wheat and the tares. Sometimes they look almost identical. But eventually their fruit is going to distinguish them. Because a tear can look just like wheat, but a tear will never produce the same fruit that wheat will. Verse 8, But now you yourselves are to put off these. Oh, I'm, 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 Verse 7, You once, we all once walked in disobedience. We all once lived in those things because we all once were sons of daughters of disobedience. But now, verse 8, you yourselves are to put off these things. What? Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language. Out of your mouth. Put that out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge. Listen, at the very same time you put off the old, you're putting on the new. At the very same time the old man is crucified with Christ and buried, you are raised up a new creation in Christ. And since that reality has happened, then we shouldn't still live in these things and do these things that are not consistent with the new man that we've put on. And look at this, verse 10, this new man, this new man that we put on is renewed in knowledge. That seems kind of strange to me. I have a new man that I put on, but why does a new man need to be renewed? Because the new man still has the mind of the old man. And how do we know that's true? Because if that weren't true, the moment you were born again, you would have forgotten everything of your old life. But God didn't erase your memory. I mean, sometimes I know some people who wish God would have erased their memory because they struggle with memories and things, and these things still haunt them, still hurt them, still in, in some ways can, can debilitate us. So what is the answer? <clears throat> well, we want a magic bullet, right? We want God to just snap his fingers and make it go away. And God does that. With, you know, we heard a testimony Friday night. Brian shared a testimony Friday night that before he was... Saved, he had a potty mouth, a really bad one. But when he got saved, it's like God just took his potty mouth away from him. But then there were other things that God didn't take away. We can all, I think, have that a similar testimony. There are things when we were saved, God took away. There were other things that we're, we're still struggling with, right? It's not the struggle that defines our salvation. It's not that. Matter of fact, the struggle is a good indication of our salvation. So how do we, how do we get through? How do we get past some of those things? We, we renew our mind. We put off the old. We put on the new. And this new man is renewed in knowledge. In what knowledge? Not just any knowledge, but in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Well, who created this new man? Do you know who the new man was created by? Hold your place, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2, verse 10. Look at this. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Who created the new man? Christ did. Where is he created? He's created in Christ Jesus. When was he created? Long before 
Remember Ephesians, Ephesians 1, verse 4, before God threw down the foundations of the cosmos, He chose us in Him. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which He prepared beforehand. That word beforehand means the very same thing. God didn't look at your life and see how you were going to do before He decided what? No. That's not how it works. This is what you need to renew your mind to. That God doesn't love you conditionally based on how well you perform for Him. God loves you unconditionally. He's already given you all things freely in Christ Jesus. The problem is not that I don't don't have them, I have not received them. The problem is I don't comprehend what I have received. Verse 12. And we're going we're gonna to close here very shortly. Well, look at this. Who is this new man created in Christ Jesus? He's not a Greek. He's not a Jew. He's not circumcised. He's not uncircumcised. He's not barbarian. He's not Scythian. He's not slave. He's not free. He's not black or white or brown or yellow or red. He's not male or female. Paul says, he's none of these, but Christ is all and in all. So God the Father doesn't identify us by anything or anyone except Christ. You are not defined or identified by your past failure, by your past trauma, by the thing that you struggle to deal with, that you can't seem to to get over. God does not define you by that. He doesn't know you by that. He doesn't identify you by that. You do. The enemy wants you to believe that God does, but God doesn't. Christ is all and in all. That's all God knows is Christ. That's all he sees is Christ. That's his only defining attribute that that brings you into his presence and makes you part of the, the life that he has joined you to. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You've been joined to this life of the Godhead because God the Father only knows you now in Christ. That is a work of grace. That's not our work. We don't do that. And so Paul goes on and he says, put on love. Let peace, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let the word of God dwell richly in you. Why? This is how your mind's going to be renewed. Why? What gives us the right to have peace? Because of what Christ has already done. In the midst of our struggle, we have peace because we know God's grace is all sufficient. Do all things, verse 17, giving thanks to God. Do all things, In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Up in verse 13. Bearing with one another, forgiving one another. Even as Christ forgave you. Christ has forgiven you because you are a child of God. You once walked and were a son of disobedience. But God did something miraculous. He took your cold, stony heart and He gave you a warm heart of flesh. You were dead in your sin, dead in trespass, but He made you alive in Christ Jesus. He put a new heart in you. He made you a new creation. He gave to you the mind of Christ. He did all of that in Christ. There's no question about that. The question is, do you understand that? Do you comprehend that? Do you know that to be true? And are you seeking and setting 
your mind upon those things and asking God to renew your mind to that truth and that reality so that you are no longer conformed to the world, but that you are being transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you know what the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God is? It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Bible's not telling you to prove something by working really hard to be something. The Bible is saying, let go. Let the old go and embrace the new and allow the Spirit of God, the Word of God, Allow God to begin to renew your mind and conform you to that image that you have been created in. Let God do that. And then your life will begin to prove out. You know, just just not too many weeks ago, you drove through the countryside. I live out in the country. And there were lots of fields out there of just barren dirt, beautiful plowed fields of dirt. Now, what do you see when you drive in the countryside? You see fields now with, with beautiful green plants springing forth. What does that prove to you? What, what does all that corn growing out there and all that black dirt prove to you? It proves that there was a seed planted in that ground. Now, I could have told you there was a seed planted in the ground before you saw the corn come up. And you may have believed me. And I may have been telling you the truth. But the reality, what really proved the reality of the seed planted in the ground was when when the corn, when the life came forth. This is what Paul is saying in Romans 12. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let life come forth to prove Christ is truly in you and He is your hope of glory. Amen. Let's all stand. Again, if you don't know that you know that you know that God has poured His love in your heart, that Christ lives in you, you have been born again. Whether you fully understand it or not, I would encourage you to cry out to God, to call upon His name. You can do it right here, right now, where you are. You can do it in your car. You can do it in your bathroom, in your bedroom, in your kitchen. You can do it taking a walk down a country road. It doesn't matter where you do it. It only matters that you do it. Because when you cry out to God from a heart of faith, it's an indication that God has done something. The very fact that you would have a desire to be conformed to the image of Christ tells me that there is a seed that's been planted in the ground of your heart that is is springing forth to new life. And God's will is that one day it will prove His good, acceptable, and perfect will. Father, I pray this morning... For everyone in this place. That God you would give us. A comprehension of our salvation. Lord. For those that are here. That know they have been born again. That know they have been made new creations. That know you have given to them. A new heart. I pray God that you would. Begin to do. Lord a beautiful work by your spirit. Perhaps God they're still struggling. With their old life. With their old mind. 
Lord, maybe they don't have the comprehension they need and they're living under the weight of guilt and shame and condemnation from their past. I pray, God, that you would do a work by your Spirit. Lord, the work that only you can do, that, God, you would take the Word of God spoken here today, the Word of God read here today, the Word of God sung here today, that you would take it by your Spirit, God, and you would begin to do a supernatural work in their hearts, that you would begin to open blind eyes and open deaf ears and begin to show them, Lord God, the reality of what you have already done in Christ Jesus. Lord, for those that may be here that have never been born again, who, Lord, don't really understand, but, Lord, something in their hearts and their minds is drawing them. Lord, it's only by the Spirit that we're drawn to salvation. I pray, God, that they would surrender to that drawing and that they would, from a heart of faith, cry out to you, God, and ask not only that you would save them, but that you would begin to renew them. And conform them and transform them into the very image of the Son of God. I pray, God, that Sunday morning would not just be a good habit. I pray, God, that we would hear and be attentive and take what we've heard, what we've shared together, and begin to read and study and meditate. I pray that, God, you would give us a passion for those around us who do not know Christ, who are not connected to the body of Christ, who have never experienced the miracle of new life or have missed out, God, on, on the wonderful things that you have already given them in Christ. And they're just living, God, in ignorance of, of who they are and what you've done. God, help us to be a people that, have a passion and a love for you that overflows to those around us. That we would refuse to just keep to ourselves what we have come to know and come to experience in Christ. But God, we would purpose to share it with passion. That we could see others come to know the same salvation and the same joy that you have so gracefully given to us. In Christ Jesus, we pray this, God, that you, above all, would be glorified in your church and in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.